the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt, brought to you in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. This week, John Petterman's catastrophic debate with Dr. Oz. Hi. Good night, everybody. Pennsylvania's own Selena Zito brings analysis. And it sort of just went then downhill from there. We'll review the Senate races with Florida Senator Rick Scott. The Democratic candidates have to defend the Biden policies, and they're not defensible. New York Congressman Lee Zeldin squares off against soft-on-crime Governor Hochul, who just doesn't get it. Anyone who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important. We hear from the Republican who just might be the governor of New York. I would have been happy to stay there and answer more questions. She couldn't have gotten off the stage any quicker. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Great to be with you for a town hall review focused on the 2022 election. Catch my program each weekday morning live, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time and on demand 24-7. Learn more at HughHewitt.com. And follow me on Twitter at HughHewitt. Follow this program, please, as well at Town Hall Review. We'll begin on these final days before election 2022 with one of the few debates we've seen this cycle. On Tuesday night in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, the Democrat John Fetterman squared up against Dr. Oz for their one and only debate. All who have been tracking with this election know John Fetterman recently had a stroke. Voters simply want to know, is he up to the task? Can he do the job as senator? Fetterman's opening greeting. Hi. Good night, everybody. Was, in many respects, a closing remark. With gas prices on the mind of Pennsylvanians, Fetterman was pushed on his opposition to fracking. I've, I've always supported fracking. And yet, here was Fetterman on the same subject in 2018. No, I, I, I don't support fracking uh, at all, and I never have. Fetterman's debate performance was, in one word, catastrophic. I turn to a woman who knows the pulse of Pennsylvania politics, Selena Zito of the Washington Examiner. Tell us what you thought about Fetterman Oz. I drove out to Harrisburg last night to watch the debate, walked in, saw it was a tent, and saw it no ability to watch it except with a bunch of other reporters. So I packed up my gear and went to a bar. Smart! <laughs> and and I listened to people and observed people. Uh, the, the debate, it was just the two men uh, from the from the get-go. Uh, uh, Mr. Fetterman came out um, saying good evening or good night, as opposed to as, as, as a closing argument, as opposed to a, a greeting. And it sort of just went down, downhill from there. Yep. Those of us who have been watching him, have been reporting on him, I would point out to um, Dasha Burns as well as myself, uh, n- knew this was the case. But what I observed among people was that a lot of people were unaware, and it really took them by surprise. We have to always remember that people don't watch politics, engage in politics, regular people in as much as the way political junkies do. So to watch that, watch people's sort of reaction and, and, 
and dismay if they were supporters or lean towards supporting him, um, uh, and and just confusion as to why why this wasn't more readily talked about in the local news uh, was really really kind of very interesting for me to observe as a reporter. Selena, uh, I, I think it hurt every Democrat in Pennsylvania. I mean, I think it really hurt every Democrat in Pennsylvania. I, I'll bet you every Democrat is wishing Josh Shapiro had 10 debates at this point. Right, exactly. And and, and I think that I, I, I still think that Josh Shapiro pulls this off. This race has been trending in the other direction towards Oz in the past. I, and I've been on your show talking about it in the past four to five weeks. I think this just sort of sealed the deal if, if there was any wavering voters. And, and I think that what you will see among Democrats is that they'll make one of two choices. And I'm just talking about regular Democrats, not people who shoot it in their veins every morning. Right. They're going to either sit at home on their hands and or they're going to vote for Oz. First of all, because he came across as competent and and um, aspirational. And, and second of all, because they're going to just be mad at their party for, for handing them this and not having the uh, spine to say, hey, dude, you got to get out of this race. I don't know of a more catastrophic political environment since the Tea Party in 2010. I absolutely agree with you. I've always thought that this, well, not always, I've thought for at least the past five weeks, and maybe my reporting, the polls just ca- caught up with my you know, anecdotal reporting, but I always thought this was going to be a 30-plus house seat. Right. All right. My over-unders are 25 on the House, so you're over. It's one Republican plus one on the Senate. Are you going to be over-under there? Oh, I'm over. I, I think it's a plus two, and it could be a possible plus four. We'll stay on the Senate for a bit and turn to the man who's been a key leader of the GOP effort this cycle, Florida Senator Rick Scott, chair of the NRSC, the National Republican Senatorial Committee. From my program earlier this week... Senator Scott, let me begin by applauding you. You patiently plodded through a withering barrage of consultant criticism because you weren't using them during the summer. And now the Republicans are set to regain the majority in the United States Senate. And it's because of your leadership. So thank you. You've done a great job. Now, you're very nice. But we've got great candidates. Uh, They've run great races. You look at their debates. All of them have done a great job in their debates. And Biden's not gotten any better. And, you know, the Democratic candidates have to defend the Biden policies, and they're not defensible. Let me begin by saying I'm going to put in the win column, Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Carolina, and Wisconsin. I'm going to talk with Senator Johnson a little bit. We all saw a meltdown by John Fetterman. J.D. was on. He's winning comfortably. North Carolina, Ted Budd's winning comfortably. Question about that. Do you believe that John Fetterman's performance hurt Democrats everywhere? Because I do. Oh, absolutely. I, I think I think this. But this is what they've done. They've they've come across as radical candidates. They've come across as having to try. They can't defend um, Biden's policies. They try to change their policies and act like they're somehow bipartisan, middle of the road, uh, things like that. And it, this, you know, Federman is just actually the latest example. I mean, he took a changed his position on fracking, changed his position on abortion, changed his position on crime, changed his position on basically everything they ask him. And so I think that's what people people see it. And that one was a a significant national, you know, people a lot of people watch that. And but what what they're seeing is that's the Democrats. 
I mean, they, yep. they 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 can't. They don't have a. They don't have. They don't have anything. They, there's nothing that they can brag about. I mean, how would you like to go into this campaign, like in a, as a Democrat, and say I voted for all those bad things, but I don't really believe them, and I just had to do it because Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer or Joe Biden told me I had to do it. So trust me, I won't do it again. That's basically that, what that is it. But don't believe. Uh, what are you going to believe? Your lying eyes or me? And and we know what their record is. Let's go to the pickups because I think you're going to have a healthy night on Tuesday, November eighth. Nevada looks to me like Adam Laxalt has got that if he runs through the tape. Do you agree? Yes. All right. Uh, Georgia. He's, he's running a great race. Yeah, he is. Adam's a disciplined, wonderful, experienced candidate. Yep. Nevada, no. Georgia had Herschel on yesterday. I have him on almost every other week. He does better and better and better. He gets better with every. You know, he's just not a politician. He's not a, used to doing this, but he's gotten so good, and Raphael Warnock has fallen apart. I think that's kind of close to Laxalt land in terms of a lock. What do you think? Absolutely. And you know what we've done with all these is we've explained who the Democrats are. The last poll we did with Warnick, his favorable was down to 40. Think about this. Remember, two years ago, he got into the general election with two to one fave unsafe. We've explained who he is. You know, and then we, you saw the ad with his wife saying basically he's an actor. And then he's, he's evicting people from a, from a church uh, apartment complex. I mean, give me a break. Yeah. I mean, so we've explained who these people are, and they're just crashing. All right, so those are two pickups. Arizona, I'm very, very interested about Arizona because Carrie Lake has run a magnificent campaign. Meanwhile, Katie Hobbs is probably the worst Democratic gubernatorial candidate running anywhere, not on policies, but just on ability. So Carrie Lake's going to win big in Arizona, and I think Blake Masters has closed to a dead heat with Mark Kelly. Am I right? Absolutely. And what we've done again is we've explained who Mark Kelly is. He runs when he's back there like he's a moderate, he's a bipartisan guy, but he's not. He votes 100 percent of the time with Chuck Schumer, does everything Joe Biden tells him to do. And we've been able to explain who he is. Blake Masters run a great race. There's a lot of resources that have come in there. We've invested all along. I, I think Blake's going to win. Parts I think he's run a great race, but Kerry Lake has run a great race, and that's going to help him. Now, let's go to Colorado. Joe Day's going to win. Because Joe Day is such a Colorado candidate. People don't get what Col- You've got to be every man in Colorado to be a Republican who wins, and that's Joe O'Day. I've, I've been out there campaigning. I was out, I've been campaigning all across the country with him. Uh, and, you know, he's got, he's got a place where people come and uh, celebrate before Broncos games. I mean, yes. he was there. His That's wife a sad was, fact, his wife but was true. Selling beer. I mean, he's a normal guy. Yeah. Yeah, he is a normal guy, and he built an amazing business, and he understands normal yeah. people. And so the issue set is broken for him. All right, let's get to the two t- to the reaches. All right, the wannabes. Washington State votes by paper. Um, it is everyone gets mailed a ballot. I've never liked the system. I, I don't trust the system. It helps Democrats. But uh, our friend Tiffany Smiley may be your best. Man, what a candidate! Yeah, what do you think? I think she's got a shot. I mean, I mean, Tiffany has doubled the fundraising. Patty Murray, who's been there 36 years, Patty Murray's just not likable. I mean, who likes Patty Murray? She's not nice to anybody. And so I think, unfortunately for Patty Murray, it's sort of like Hassam in New Hampshire. They know her. They don't like her. And Tiffany is a great candidate. I think she has a real shot. The last poll I saw, she was only down a couple. I think it's going to be a good election night for us. What we're seeing with early ballots. Is it's it's really a good year for us in contrast to my race in eighteen was a bad year for us. It's a good year for us. We're gonna have a better turnout. So if you're down a couple, you got a really good chance of winning. 
All right, we have not talked about New Hampshire since Chris Sununu dropped out. I spent all summer in Maine with my brother-in-law and driving him crazy and saw a million ads from Maggie Hassan because of the Portland media market and uh, it gets north. I cover the entire Granite State. Don Bulldog has not been on this show yet. The general will be on next week. All of a sudden, and I thought Maggie Hassan was, she's running ads on people with disability, which are very touching. But, you know, New Hampshire's crushed. It's just that it's a low-tax state. They hate high-tax Democrats. Maggie Hassan got in somehow. Now General Bulldog appears to me to be not only alive, but closing fast. What's the situation in the Granite State? On the last poll, I saw Donald was down one. Uh, if he's down one, he, he's going to win. Unfortunately for Hassan, she's known. Not like her policies. She, you know, they don't, she has to go defend or change her. What she's trying to do is change her position. She acts like, oh, I care about the border now. No, you don't. I'm on the Homeland Security Committee. Where you hate Border Patrol agents. You treat them like crap. And you vote against any border security. So she's like all these Democrats. But they're changing their position. But she's known up there. She was a governor, and she won by a thousand votes five or six years ago. She's going to lose. Don Bolton is going to win. Coming up, Congressman and New York gubernatorial candidate Lee Zeldin squares off against the incumbent, the soft on crime governor Kathy Hochul. She still hasn't talked about locking up anyone committing any crimes. I don't know why that's so important. We talked to Lee Zeldin when the town hall review with Hugh Hewitt returns in a moment. Grounded in our distinctive Great Books curriculum, the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy prepares students for exciting careers in politics who understand the relevance of America's founding principles to today's policy challenges. From our Southern California campus, we've sent over a 1,000 alumni across America and around the world. The application period for fall 2022 classes has begun. Find out more at pepperdine.edu spp. That's pepperdine.edu spp. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. You know you're in the midst of a very interesting election cycle when races that were not even supposed to be close are suddenly very close. That would be the case in New York State. New York is a blue state. Only 21% voters in the Empire State are registered Republican. Lee Zeldin was not even supposed to be competitive with Kathy Hochul. And yet, Zeldin is closing fast. One poll late last week has Zeldin up. The two debated on Tuesday night. Kathy Hochul does not understand what her own electorate is concerned about. Anyone who commits a crime under our laws, especially with the change they made to bail, has consequences. I don't know why that's so important. Lee Zeldin, currently the congressman from New York's 1st Congressional District, was a guest of Joe Piscopo on AM 970 The Answer in New York City. We spent a good time uh, talking about crime, but what's wild is, despite the... Many, many good questions that were asked about fighting crime. She was just refusing to talk about locking up criminals. And as I pointed out, you know, here we are yeah. getting all the way through the, the entire crime conversation of this debate. You still haven't spoken about locking people up. And her response says that she doesn't understand why that's so important to me. Seriously? <laughs> I mean, how out of touch do you have to be? She had this this snarky sneer on her face the whole time. Lee, I don't know if you could see it because you were right next to her. And she kept looking straight into the camera with that, with it, like she didn't want to be there. <laughs> you were just, you, you just kept going after point, after point, after point. 
And it was just, it was tough to watch her in that regard. And I, I'm wondering what her camp feels. Have we heard anything from that side at all, Congressman? You know, I don't know how they're going to try to spin this. I mean, the reality is she didn't want to be there. And, you know, at the end yeah. of the debate, the hosts say that, uh, you know, they would like to go past the yeah. hour and yeah, it was great. an additional question. I said, hey, let, I, I was serious about it. I said, let's yep. go another yep. hour. Yep. Uh, wow. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a happy warrior on that stage. And yeah. it's important for voters to know where we stand on the issues that are most important to them. Uh, I would have been happy to stay there and answer more questions. She couldn't have gotten off the stage any quicker. Congressman Zeldin, before we do let you go, sir, with this New York uh, Supreme Court decision, uh, you know, giving uh, a back pay, uh, reinstating first responders. Yeah, can the governor, have, does the governor have a role in that? If indeed, I, and I can, we are just, again, equally shocked that uh, Mayor Adams is allowing his administration to appeal that after the great work of the first responders. Can the governor step up in that regard, sir? Well, I would use the full power and voice uh, of my office. I mean, it gets to the heart of what this case was about. Whether or not the city had that power uh, is something that uh, would have to come from the state. So the idea that you know the governor would just kind of sit back and not speak up, not advocate on behalf of these workers, not yes. uh, you know speak up on behalf of uh, the college students who are being targeted, uh, speaking up on behalf of the kids who uh, and parents who saw what the CDC voted on last. Notice when they asked about COVID vaccines, uh, COVID vaccine mandate yesterday, a couple interesting things. One is Kathy Hochul said that she would not do a COVID vaccine mandate against kids right now. And I was very clear that I would not do a COVID vaccine mandate uh, for kids ever. You know, there's a very purposeful reason why she said right now while she's standing on that stage, she's not going to do it. Obviously, she's not going to do it for the next 13 days. And when I spoke, when I brought up the health care worker mandate, because tens of thousands of health care workers lost their job and there was no recognition of natural immunity, she said that she would do it all over again. Watch this race. If Zeldin does well, he could pull several New York congressional races over to the GOP as well. The challenge that Democrats have today include all of the obvious. The economy, inflation, gas prices, crime, of course, and the mess of the entire Biden agenda. But they are also saddled with some of the radical candidates that should be nowhere near any position of leadership, much less in the U.S. Senate. I'd include Fetterman, who we looked at earlier, and Raphael Warnock in Georgia, and Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin. Barnes is facing Ron Johnson, who was a guest on my program. Now, Senator, the one thing we haven't talked about, Wisconsin's a huge agricultural state, and I I often forget to talk to candidates about agriculture, and I apologize to my farming friends out there. What is inflation doing to dairy and and farming generally? It's crushing them. I mean, when you take a look at the, you know, just the cost of fertilizer skyrocketing, Um, you know, know, a dairy farmer does not get the benefit of the increasing milk prices at the grocery store. I mean, somewhere... Those increasing prices are, are going to somebody, somebody else's pocket. So, no, dairy farmers, uh, farmers throughout Wisconsin are struggling. You know, just in general, inflation crushes everybody. It destabilizes the economy. That's why it's so easy to slip into stagflation. You have rising prices, and it just crushes economic activity, resulting in well, what we just saw the last two quarters, negative economic growth. And we have to recognize growing our economy is the number one component of the solution to get us out from underneath this massive debt load. But 
it's just it's amazing what Democrats have done in such a short period of time. They're just destroying our economy. They're destroying people's savings accounts. They're destroying people's retirement. Uh, they're destroying our country. They have to be stopped. They need to be defeated. Uh, we need the Republicans back in the majority. Now, uh, yesterday, I talked to a number of people, as I did out in the, the states, about the border. The border has become, of course, Wisconsin is a northern border state, but every state is now a southern border state. And you will have a big deal to do with this as chair. I think you're going to be chair of Homeland Security. I'm not sure. But does the border matter in Wisconsin the way it did? I went to Colorado, Arizona, uh, Cleveland, uh, Columbus, Philadelphia, uh, uh, Pittsburgh. I've been everywhere, man, for the last week. And everybody everywhere talks about the border. Yeah, it impacts Wisconsin in two ways. You know, first of all, the deadly drugs flowing into our uh, cities. Now, local law enforcement used to have to shut down meth labs, not anymore because they've been put out of business by the, the drug cartels in Mexico because of the open border. Secondly, we need workers. We need farm workers. We need factory workers. We need a legal immigration system. And so this flood of illegal immigrants has totally set back any any. Uh, possibility of passing legal immigration reform so we could bring people in without depressing American wages in a legal way. So, no, it, it, it's, it's a terrible, it's a travesty in so many ways, plus the human depredations uh, uh, on the part of the human traffickers to their uh, human cargo. I mean, it's just awful. I mean, I, I don't want to ruin your listeners' morning here. It's just horrific what these human traffickers do to illegal immigrants that are abused by them. So will we get uh, Hey, I think we're going to have a Republican majority in both House and Senate. Somebody asked me at dinner on Monday night, can you get anything done with an infirm president who believes his own press releases? What do you think, Senator Johnson? Well, what I've been advocating for is we need to restore function to Congress. So I'm making sure I want to make sure that the congressional leadership, both House and Senate, bring up and institute a budget process where we pass a budget to drive an appropriation process, uh, bring up appropriation bills starting in April, and vote on all of them. Not, not, we can't do these CRs at the end of the fiscal year, kick them down the road before Christmas, and uh, end up with a you know, multi-thousand-page omnibus spending bill, the Christmas tree that all the ornaments are attached to. That is not only dysfunctional, it's corrupt. That has to end. We need to restore function to Congress, and that's something we can do and we should do. And I'm going to do everything I can to insist that we okay. do it. Coming up. What Tim has to do is pretend that he's not a Democrat. J.D. Vance on his effort in Ohio. When the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt returns in a moment. Stay with us. This is Molly Hemingway. In 2020, millions of Americans experienced the most troubling election of their lives. That's why I wrote the book Rigged. How big tech, the media, and Democrats seized our elections. I write about Mark Zuckerberg's efforts to take over election operations in key states, how the coronavirus was used to force election laws designed explicitly to help the Democrat Party, and much, much more. It's now in paperback. Don't miss Molly Hemingway's book, Rigged, How the Media, Big Tech, and the Democrats Seized Our Elections. Available wherever books are sold. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt, brought to you in partnership with our sponsor, the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Over the course of the last couple of weeks, I have been all over the place. Participation in a series of battleground tour events, including Detroit and Denver, Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Cleveland. It all took a toll on my voice. Those last two stops in the Buckeye State, my home state, gave me a pulse for where we are 
with J.D. Vance and his effort to defeat Congressman Tim Ryan for the United States Senate seat being vacated by Rob Portman. I'm now very optimistic about J.D. becoming the next senator. He'll be helped by incumbent Governor Mike DeWine, who's up 18 points over his opponent, Nan Whaley, and may make 20-point or 25-point win there. J.D. Vance joined Bruce Hooley, my colleague on 98.9 The Answer in Columbus. Polls typically undersample Republicans. I think Republicans are inherently suspicious with good reason of the media, and I think they associate pollsters with the media. But I also am wary that people will assume, because every pundit that talks about this race talks about it in terms of, yeah, the polls are close, but J.D. Vance is going to win. So I know that you don't want that malaise to creep in, and you really want to stress get out there and vote on November the 8th and get your friends who are like-minded to vote as well. No, that's exactly right. We want to win. We want to win big. Uh, but look, polls can be wrong in either direction, so you can't take anything for granted. I do feel like we're in a very good spot, like we've got all the energy. But Tim Ryan is, is basically run as a Republican for the last three months, pretending to be something that he's not. And so we have to counteract that with good voter engagement and turnout. And we're talking with J.D. Vance, Senate candidate. And I really thought bringing up your children being biracial, bringing up the fact that it's not racist to demand a border. I like the way that you went on attack there. And uh, I think that's something that not just you as a Senate candidate, but citizens need to be able to do. We don't need to be ashamed of believing in American exceptionalism and believing in the American dream, which is a dream that's available to everyone. We can't allow these guys to put us on the defensive because when, when Tim Ryan calls me a racist on the debate stage, he's not doing it because he wants to promote better opportunities uh, for non-white Ohioans. Of course, that's an admirable thing. He's not doing it because he wants to promote racial harmony. He's doing it because he wants to put me on the defensive and shut me up so I stop talking about the border. And 99% of the time when the left uses this tactic, whether it's against the Senate candidate or an everyday citizen, that's exactly what they're trying to do. And I, and I think we're going to win not just this election, but the, the long-term argument here. We need to actually go on offense. We need to show that we're not terrified of our principles. And when people call us bad names for wanting a border or for believing in our own country or for you know admiring our founding fathers, we need to not allow them to defensive and act afraid because that's how you lose the argument. But if you're, if you're self-confident and you're assertive, we've got the truth on our side. We'll win so long as we have people making the argument the right way. Well, I find it funny, at least, that typically the political unknown, which is what you would qualify as compared to Tim Ryan, a 10-term U.S. congressman, typically the political unknown is at a disadvantage in an election when the party that you're running against, the Democratic Party, has the sitting president. But we haven't seen Joe Biden in Ohio with Tim Ryan. We don't hear Tim Ryan talking about much the Inflation Reduction Act. Do you find it as interesting that I, as I do that we don't see any pictures with Tim Ryan and Joe Biden clasping hands, holding up hands? Interesting is, is one word for it. I, you know, what Tim has to do is pretend that he's not a Democrat. Um, he certainly can't run on the Inflation Reduction Act because people know that it actually is the Inflation Increase Act. He can't run on his legislative accomplishments because they basically don't exist. And everybody knows at this point that he votes with Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi 100% of the time, and that agenda is not popular. So his best bet is to keep these guys hidden away, pretend that he's not a Democrat, and hope that he can hoodwink a small number of Ohioans into voting for him and, and that that's really what he's trying to do. I want to run through where we are in Columbus here. So we had the defund police movement in Columbus. The reaction in the city schools is, OK, all cops are bad. We've got to get the cops out of schools. So fights in Columbus city schools. This was reported by the Columbus Dispatch last week. And they deem a fight 
a violent incident where they have to call the cops, okay? The teachers can't break it up. Guidance counselors can't break it up. So Columbus City Schools in September averaged 4.4 fights per day that they had to call the cops to break up. That's a 50% increase over the fights they had to call cops to break up all of the last school year. You get down to the bottom of the story and it's, oh, yeah, we took school resource officers out of schools and that's when our fights started to go up. So to me, this is a case you can make throughout your campaign about Democratic policies on the border and here and there and everywhere are not working, but it's the downstream impacts of these policies that continue to put the citizens of Ohio at a distinct disadvantage. We just ignore common sense um, in this country right now. And, you know, everyone would tell you that if you remove cops from the schools, if you remove the school resource officers from the schools, you might expect things to get a little bit more chaotic, a little bit more crazy, and that's exactly what's happened. In the same way, if you tell Border Patrol not to do their job, you're going to have a border problem. Or if you tell the police officers on our streets not to do their job, you're going to have a violent crime problem. It's just common sense. Coming up, we'll turn to Arizona. We need someone who's strong, who can be an ambassador for this state on the national stage, who can fight for Arizonans each and every day, who will secure the border. Terry Lake, the next governor of the Grand Canyon State, when the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt returns in a moment. Hi, this is Hugh Hewitt. The November election is now on us. American families are getting hammered by roaring inflation, soaring crime, an open border, and a crisis in public education. China looms. We're at a critical juncture in the history of our great republic. But the blessing of living in a democracy is that you can do something about it. You can vote. Do not trust the polls. Do not make excuses. Do not sit this out. We need you. Make sure you're registered. Make your plans. Make a difference through your vote. Thank you. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Arizona is a key state to watch this cycle. Historically, it was a red state, home to Barry Goldwater, but it's been trending purple. you remember it was contested tightly in 2020 and decided narrowly for Joe Biden. The governor, Doug Ducey, a Republican and old friend of mine, is termed out. He's America's best governor. He led the way on an education reform that should be the model for every state in the union. Kerry Lake, the GOP nominee to replace Doug Ducey, has charisma, a strong head of steam as we approach Election Day. She was a guest of Charlie Kirk. There is one race in America that has the media very worried. I could tell you people are looking at this race and they're seeing a grassroots movement unlike anything I've seen except for Donald Trump in 2016 and 2020. And that is the Arizona governor's race. I'm getting messages from people all across the country about Carrie Lake. And I'm telling you, Carrie Lake is going to be America's governor. And she looks like the momentum is with her, but we can't take anything for granted. And Carrie Lake joins us right now. Carrie, welcome back to the program. How are things Hello. on the ground in Arizona? I just heard some great news. Uh, we had a meeting from our field director. We have the youngest field director in the country. Matthew is his name, 21 years old. He works his butt off every day. And he said um, that they are concentrating on swing voters and they are blown away that almost every door they go to with the swing voter, they're able to convince them wow. and, and talk to them about the issues. And they're, and they're moving our direction. And I think that's a really good sign with two weeks left. We need someone who's strong, 
who can be an ambassador for this state on a national stage, who can fight for Arizonans each and every day, who will secure the border, make sure our kids are not getting brainwashing, but a proper education so they're ready for the real world, make sure our streets are safe again, and tackle this chronic street homelessness so we don't turn into some of these blue cities. You had an amazing event this weekend that looked like a Trump rally-style turnout, Carrie. It was incredible. Katie Hobbs thinks there are 47 different genders. Since we're here at a rodeo, Katie, I've got a challenge for you, Katie Hobbs. Why don't you go out and try to milk a bull and tell me how that goes? I, I could see I could see Katie Hobbs <laughs> actually trying to do that. Carrie, elaborate. You know, the, the insanity of it all, I, it, it's comical if it weren't so scary, to be honest. You know, they, when they talk about all these different genders the the scary thing is they're now pushing this nonsense on our children we when we send our precious kids off to school and trying to confuse them our children's minds are so malleable you know you it, which is it, it's such a sweet thing you know you can talk to them about all sorts of imaginary stuff and they'll believe it but we don't want our schools putting in poisonous stuff and, and psychological yes. abuse and that's what they're doing and that's what katie hobbs is for she uh, supports these what they call gender affirmation no, it's so surgeries sick. yeah katie this hobbs, is mutilation katie hobbs is pro medical mutilation and pro chemical castration of our children i don't even think she understands what that means she's not a very bright person but her handlers know what that means and i'm sure all yep. the people watching this and uh, she's for pro full term abortion too, Carrie. Is that right? I mean, abortion on Absolutely. demand. Uh, she, this you is know, a sick, and, sick thing. And I want to talk a little bit about that because for a long time, the media has had people who are pro life, some of the most wonderful people on this planet, running scared because they care about women and they care about babies and they care about moms. And we know we don't need to run scared. We are on the right side of this, Charlie. We want to save as many babies as possible. And I finally have gotten the media to to pin down mm-hmm. my racist opponent on where she stands on abortion. I said, you know what? We're not the radical ones. We want to save babies, okay? We want to save as many babies right. as possible. Yes. They are the radical ones. My opponent is for abortion right up until you could be in labor, walking into the hospital, and if you want an abortion, she's okay with that. And she's also her voting record proves it. When presented with a piece of legislation that would save babies who would somehow survive an abortion, that would give them life-saving treatment if they survive an abortion, she voted no on that. She would rather see a baby who survives an abortion die on a cold metal tray than get any medical care and get help. This is, this is a, she's a monster, frankly. Yeah. And so we're getting them to pin down where they stand. And it used to be they would say we want safe and rare abortions now it's anything but it's it's anything goes right up until the moment of birth and then after and this is um this is diabolical stuff i've been telling people that it's ideal to vote on election day if possible but if you have any question that you might be busy or your friends might not be as enthusiastic as you in person early voting is also a good option i'm afraid that maricopa county is not going to be able to have the infrastructure, the ink, the personnel, the printers to be able to facilitate what I think is going to be the greatest game day election surge. Because, Carrie, I've never seen energy like what we see for you right now in Arizona. It's Trump-esque. What are your thoughts? Should we encourage some people to vote early and in person? I'm, I'm going against what some people, you know, who are hardcore say, bring your ballot. If you get a mail and bring it on, vote. 
just vote. If you've got a ballot sitting on your counter and that's how you always vote, fill it out. You can walk it into one of the early uh, mailing, uh, mm-hmm. early voting centers, or you can send it through the Postal Service. We just have to get out and, and overwhelm. And that's what we're going to do. I think they're going to have numbers like they've never seen. I'm worried that incompetent Katie Hobbs is not prepared because we've seen her incompetence time and time again. I'm worried that our county uh, recorders aren't prepared for the number of people who will show up on election day. I want everyone who is an election day voter to show up on election day and stand in line. Bring yes. your own ballpoint pen if you want. I I would. I'm going to bring my own ballpoint pen. And we're just going to make sure we, we vote like our lives depend on it. But I want to make sure that the incompetent, Secretary of State, who I'm running against, is ready because yeah. we saw what happened on the 2nd of August when she gave bad advice on how many ballots to have ready in Pinal County. They ran out one hour into voting uh, with only Republican ballots. How convenient. Yeah, but I, I'm going to go a step further. And I mean, you, you don't have to, to go there. I think Katie Hobbs, the last ditch effort she might have is to sabotage this election. I mean, if we do not have the ballots, if we don't have the personnel, you're right, Katie Hobbs is incompetent. We, who cares if it's incompetent or malevolence? But, I mean, how is it, let's talk more broadly here, Carrie. how is it that someone who is running for an office is allowed to administer their own election? Why is this legal? It shouldn't be. It really shouldn't. We've been calling for her since I got into this race to recuse herself for over a year. Last July of 2021, we started uh, requesting that she recuse herself. She still hasn't. And I know that there are some good lawmakers, some legislators who are going to next session uh, introduce a, a piece of legislation to prevent that. If you're running an election and running for a higher office, you shouldn't be able to run that election. Yes. Uh, it's a pretty scary thought. Unfortunately, that won't be a law in time for uh, November 8th. So we got to vote like our lives depend on it. We've got to bring out friends to vote. Even if your friend tells you the night before they're going to go vote, call them that morning yes. and say, are you heading out? What's your plan? Do you want me to give you a lift? Coming up. It's, it's time for us to be motivated, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for us to show up and show out. Officer Tatum in the final segment of the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Hi, I'm Georgine Rice. This week in the Christian Outlook, sponsored by the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. The president makes a push for the COVID vaccine and yet another booster. I'm calling on all Americans to get their shots. And the CDC votes to put the COVID vaccine on their recommended schedule for children. The powers that be just don't want to let go of the grip they have on this nation. Unsurprisingly, there are real concerns. The vaccine resulted in a hospitalization in one out of every 500 children. And the president argues it's wrong to put limits on what they're labeling gender transition for kids. I don't think any state or anybody should have the right to do that. I just think it's wrong. Once again, there are real and serious concerns. This is one of the worst medical scandals the world's ever seen. Be sure to join us and visit our website at ChristianOutlook.com. Welcome back to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. If you've listened to my program these past six or eight weeks, you've heard this message loud and clear from me. You need to be prepared, and you need to vote. Officer Tatum, my Salem colleague, has been making a similar and passionate plea. Our country is on the line. We will lose this beautiful place, in which we call the land of the free, if we don't step up and we don't vote. It's it's time for us to be motivated, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for us to show up and show out. You need to vote in any way you can vote. 
I know that there's people that's been out here and they've been saying, do not mail in your ballots. Do not participate in early voting. Show up on election day. Well, let me give you some realistic common sense to put into the spectrum here. Don't wait to election day unless you absolutely have to, unless you're absolutely ready and prepared to sit in a line for three or four hours, unless you're absolutely prepared to end up going to your precinct and they run out of ballots on election day. If you're, if you're prepared to have to endure adversity on the only day you have to vote and your only opportunity, then I'll say just go ahead and wait. Outside of that, we need votes when we can. It's like playing football. You get all the way down the field. It's the first quarter. You still got 12 minutes left. You get down the field. You're on a 40-yard line. It's fourth and 10. Just kick the field goal. Get points on the board as soon as you can and while they are available. Because grandmother that's 80 years old with a walker should not be expected to sit in a line for three hours on voting day. I don't have a problem with them voting early or mailing in their ballots. And I know it sounds cute. It sounds sexy. It sounds cool to say we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna show up only on election day. D- let's not be fooled. Let me tell you why. What do you think that the obstructionists are thinking? Is that you're gonna show up only on election day? They don't have to manipulate mail-in ballots. They don't have to manipulate early voting. They're gonna manipulate you on election day. They're gonna make sure that there's an obstruction where the lines are too long, and they're gonna discourage you from going. Or they're going to get on there and they're going to call Arizona in the first 10 minutes of the election. And then people are going to get discouraged and they're going to say, they already called Arizona. Why would I wait in line for 30 minutes? Why would I wait in line for 40 minutes? You get to election day and your babysitter somehow got sick, got COVID, and you got to take five of your kids to the voting place and wait four hours, three hours, two hours, one hours. Are you ready for that? If not, you need to turn out and vote while you can. If you get that thing early, I'd say do early voting. Charlie Kirk made an excellent point. He probably said it on his show earlier. But uh, Charlie Kirk said, you know, there's, there's the best option is on voting day, right? There's less manipulation. The second best option is early voting. Thank you for joining us today. If you haven't signed up for our podcast yet, why not take a minute to do so? If you enjoy the program and the podcast, please take a moment. Recommend what we're doing to a friend. Send them to townhallreview.com. It's that easy, townhallreview.com. Special thanks to executive producer Russell Schubin, producers David Pouchon, Jacob Ordunia, Michael Cook, Tim Gantner, Dwayne Patterson, and of course, Adam Ramsey. Let me say thanks once again to our sponsor, the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. I am Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for joining us. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.